Okay, g'day, welcome back everybody. Uh, my name is Mark Robinson. I'm the founder and CEO of Aimpoint RPO, a registered trainee organisation supporting the defence community. Uh, this is our second episode of a series of podcasts that we're putting together uh, to really start a discussion in the defence community uh, and veterans and sharing our experiences with you. Um, today's discussion will be around sharing our experience transitioning from defence and starting our own business, Aimpoint uh, RPL, um, and trying to provide some tips and uh, share those uh, little bits of knowledge um, with anyone currently in or someone that's left thinking of leaving um, around and are interested in starting a business. We're trying to share some of our own experiences. So with that said, um, I'll introduce Matthew Wilkinson. Um, Matt's one of the team here doing some of our behind-the-scenes training development. Um, and Matthew will ask me a series of questions and I'll ask answer those as truthfully as I can. Matthew. <laughs> Thanks for having me back, Mark. You're welcome. I know in the first episode we did touch on a, a bit of your past, but uh, just for those who perhaps are jumping straight into episode two, uh, can you start by telling us a bit about your background in the military and what inspired you to start your own business, uh, particularly with uh, RTO? Yeah, thanks. Uh, um, for those that didn't hear uh, in the in the earlier uh, podcast, um, so I'm I'm ex ex army, spent about fourteen years mostly in the full time, but also a little bit in reserves. Um, traveled around the country, finished up as a as a sergeant uh, clerk. Um, got out and went and worked like most people had a job, went out and worked somewhere. Um, and, and through that first 12 months of transition, which we sort of touched on in the first episode, um, I sort of realized that, uh, I had developed a bit of a concept, um, you know, as an RTO and, and, um, we went out and fleshed that out and created Aimpoint, uh, as a, as a business. And we've spent a, a long time, so a number of years fleshing that out and bringing that to what it is today. So what was the initial idea or concept behind your RTO? How did you go about, I guess, turning that idea to a fully operational business? Yeah, so look, I think the the key thing um, with any successful business really is is, is an idea. So... Um, for us, when we first, when I first left the Defence Force and I started working um, uh, for a company outside, I, the idea wasn't there, the spark wasn't there. Um, but as as I went through, um, I started to started to go through a process of collecting my qualifications um, over that first twelve months. Um, I left when I left the service. They really didn't provide me much. I got a few small certificates, but nothing. Uh, near matching the skill set and experiences that I um, have gained, um, it just wasn't it just wasn't recognised as as qualifications. And so over the first twelve months, you know things like you know I'd be doing things like workplace health and safety, and um, as I'm doing those, realising that some of the others um, that I'm working with have the diploma of workplace health and safety, and and in a lot of cases, I actually have a lot more experience and qualification, and are able to deliver and do the job. Um, uh, in a much more efficient way and, and so forth. And so what I started to do was start to go through the process of recognition of prior learning and dealing with a whole range of different training providers to try and justify how I have the experience and the, the knowledge and know-how learned through defence um, to create, uh, to, to, to gain those qualifications. Um, and as we started to do that, the, the idea came into our head that, well, look, I, we can actually do this ourselves. We don't, you know, it, it shouldn't be this hard for veterans leaving to have to go out and fight with an, a training provider to explain and the, all the differences in their services and translate everything um, to a training provider who just really doesn't have any any clue. Um, and so the concept that that nucleus of, of, of business was born out of that over the first 12 months. So really, I guess we're, we're touching on here, um, entrepreneurship really uh, is what we're sort of covering here yeah. as your idea comes to fruition. Um, so I guess let's start with how do you come up with your ideas in the first place? I mean, you're talking about, I guess, your own personal experience, but uh, there's there's obviously a lot of connecting the dots going on within yourself first internally. Yeah, yeah. Look, look there's a couple of things. Like we, as, as I sort of just alluded to before, we really fumbled our way through it um, in in the first twelve months, and I think a lot of people do. 
Um, as we touched on the first podcast, you know, the first 12 months when you leave and you think you've started a job is likely you could end up, you know, doing something completely different because the world opens up to you. Um, and in our case, we sort of fumbled on, as I alluded to before, the the, the idea, which is the start of um, of a business. It's around coming up with a concept or an idea that you want to go and, you know, flush out to become a business. Um, so for us, it was as we were going through and doing this over the 12 months, my sort of subconscious would start to reflect on, um, you know, how hard that was for me um, as a as a veteran to try and get that qualification when I was doing it quite clearly in, in uniform, but trying to bridge that that connection. And so eventually the dots started to connect over a period of time for me. As I've gone through um, the my time, and I think it's about eight years now that I've been out, probably maybe even a little bit longer, um, I've started to learn some new techniques as well. And one of the things I would recommend to anyone currently in service or, you know, that's left the service, but anyone that has a has a spark that wants to go start their own business, potentially don't want to work for somebody, they want to um, create an idea and, and have that excitement of running their own business. Um, there's some, you know, the best piece of advice I could say to you is keep a journal or a notebook by the side of your bed every night and just write down all the problems that you, you had that day. Just, just note down some of those problems. You don't have to solutionize those problems. Just let your subconscious go to work, you know, overnight or over a week or over a period of time. Um, but the thing is that any good concept starts from dealing with a problem that someone's facing. Um, you know, you know, there's no point in making a widget if somebody doesn't isn't having a problem where they need a widget. Um, so, sitting there at, at the end of the day, just data dumping the problems that you faced into a bit of a journal, and then letting your your, your mind and the creative part of your subconscious go to work. Um, and sometimes, for me as an example, I'll be out mowing the lawn. Something that I thought about a problem a week ago just pops into my head randomly. At, you know, a solution for those problems. So, so yeah. So I think you know, there's probably two ways. One is, you know, the the big aha moment where the dots connect on a problem that you've done and the you, you know you realised at some point. Um, or you can sort of try to force that a little bit by just jotting down some of the issues that you faced. Yeah, it, it sounds like it reminds me of that commercial that used to have the tagline, uh, you know, it didn't happen overnight, but it did happen. Yeah, and that's exactly right. It, but it is amazing what a good night's sleep will do to to let those ideas sort of gel and mold in your head. And then, like you said, you're mowing the lawn one day and it, and it clicks. Yeah, and, and like sometimes I get really excited. I come up with a problem, um, you know, I think of a problem that I've faced and I instantly go into solutionize mode and a lot of defense veterans instantly go into the solution um, mode. Um, now, that's fantastic. And maybe if you have an idea, write that down right next to it and say, here's a solution I've thought of already. But just just let that fester in your mind for a little bit. Let um, let your subconscious go to work and, and break down uh, you know, those opportunities into a bit more, uh, into a few more different ideas because you'd be surprised at how creative some of those things happen. So what about uh, value proposition? Um, can you talk to me about that and, and what is that in, in as a as an uh, concept basically? Yeah, look, I, I think, you know, once you come up with an idea, you, you need to sort of, um, unpack that. And I, I think um, uh, for me, I sort of did this a little bit naturally uh, or given it took me a number of years to, to flesh out Aimpoint into what it is and I later studied some of this stuff and what I started to realise is, oh, I, I just did it but a different way or I didn't call it that and so forth. But really once you have an idea, understanding what the value is of that to to your potential customers that you want to go to, there's no point in having a fantastic product, right? Um, it could be... Um, you know, you've created this really fantastic looking stubby cooler. Um, but the idea of it, the value that you're offering your client is that it heats up your beer. Nobody is going to want to buy that. So <laughs> unless it's some beer that needs to be heated up. So understanding the value of the product you got, it could be, it could be gold plated for all, you know, all I know. But at the end of the day, uh, if, if it doesn't deliver 
um, value to the customer. It's never going to get anywhere. So, um, so as I've gone through time, I've, I've learned some techniques um, to, to do that. And there's some things called value proposition canvas, which I would recommend to anyone thinking of starting a business to use. Um, uh, there's, a, there's a website you can go to um, that I use, which is um, Strategizer. Uh, so um, strategizer.com. If you just go to Google and type strategizer.com um, and type in value proposition um, canvas, it will bring it up for you. But really... There's a few thing, few things that you want to answer when you're doing, when you're trying to understand the value proposition. The first one is, what is the gain creator? So, um, what extra is it providing your potential customer base? You, you know, for them, is it going to help them make you know a million dollars? Is it going to help them get more time back in their day? Is it going to help them um, build a new product? Um, so, so understanding you know, the value in terms of the gain that it will give them. Um, you know, as an example, lap, a laptop, you know, computer compared to, um, compared to a desktop computer, you know, when that was created, the value proposition was the gain is that the, um, you know, the people, the customer buying that can then take that to keep working while they're on the train or, you know, away from the office. So the gain is they're able to keep working when they're away from the office. Um, the next one is like a pain reliever. So, you know, what, what what problem specifically is it taking away to, you know, from from your potential customer? If I if I go back to the stubby cooler one and I change it a little bit little bit differently, um, a, as an example, you know, before the stubby cooler, you know, your beer might get warmer quicker. And um, so, someone looked at that and said, "Well, that's a problem." Um, the pain reliever is well, we can create a, a thing that wraps around your, your bottle or your can and, and it keeps it cooler for longer. So the, the pain reliever is the fact that it's, um, it's, it's taken away the fact that you, your beer is going cool, um, yeah, going cold, uh, hotter, quicker. <laughs> um, uh, and then, you know, also once you understand some of those, the, the, the idea and that that you have been fleshing out, you might tweak it a little bit. So the product or the service that you're trying to offer will be tweaked um, to make sure that it hits those two things. So if you go to that that um, that website that I just mentioned and you look at the value proposition canvas, you'll be able to flesh out all of those um, uh, as you as sort of the second step of entrepreneurship. I think you're a gold plated heating stubby cooler might work in japan with sake perhaps that's probably <laughs> it <laughs> yeah it's a bit of a common theme with uh beer in my um uh in my podcast uh, yes yes we, we I've, I've seen how a, a drunken night got you into the military so <laughs> yes um but okay so we've got our idea let's let's say we've we've, we've got our idea and we've we've got a bit of a, a an idea of perhaps um what's to be gained and what's to be potentially lost or where the negatives might come from it but what about then? I suppose developing a business plan around it. Where do we start? Yeah, look. Um, once again, uh, aim point. We we did it very much a bit of a classical way. So um, we did get some support. So I used. Um, I went on to business.gov.au and there's lots of templates in there for a whole range of things, including um, uh, you know fleshing out the value for a um, for a product, but um, for me, there were some templates in there around a business plan. Um, it, it was very classical. So it, it was almost like that admin instruction or joining instruction um, or a plan that you write for defense. Um, you know, very detailed, going into a lot of information. Um, you know, it covers off things like, you know, what are the risks that you're going to face? What is the potential um, budget that you need? Um, what is the marketing strategy you're looking for? And there's lots of tools for flushing out all of those things um, in there. The, uh, and the the process of going through that really, especially if it's your first time, um, is just sitting down and just having to have a think about some of those things. So um, the importance of a business plan also, I should say, is that you know, when you start to start up that business, you're going to have to talk to a bank potentially. You're going to have to talk to maybe an accredited body to, you know, endorse your product. Um, and they're all going to want to see a business plan. So it sort of is the next step. You have to have that 
Um, in our case, we needed to become accredited with um, government body called ASQA, which is um, uh, endorses all RTOs and gives us our license to be able to issue qualifications. Um, so one of the steps that ASQA wanted to see was our business plan, um, and they wanted to check that the accountant had 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 a review over it, so that we've not only just done that, but we've got other people to look at it. Um, so yeah, so. Uh, you can use resources that are out there and there's lots there. You can jump onto YouTube. There'll be videos out there that tell you how to write a business plan and et cetera. Um, and we went down the very classical thick uh, business plan model. Um, as I've gone through, something that I've learned, which I'd like to share with veterans, is that there's other models that you can use as well. So for us, we discovered this thing called Lean Business Can- Canvas. Um, again, it's on that strategizer.com uh, website. Um I found that to be a much more efficient way of getting across the key points of what you want from a from a, a startup sort of business. I'm not talking about one where you you're way down the line and where you really need a really detailed risk assessment and you need all those other things, but I'm talking about from a startup and the lean business canvas covers things like what are your problems um, that you potentially trying to solve what is the unique value proposition obviously you pull that out of your, your value proposition canvas um, what is the solution you know that you you've now come up with what are your marketing channels you know is it going to be Facebook um, is it going to be word of mouth um, you, you know are you going to put stuff up on billboards um, and so forth so trying to understand those key bits um, what is your cost structure so um, you know are you going to you know, um, are you going to do it as a um, fee per service? Are you going to do it as a subscription model? Um, it also asks for what are your key metrics for success? So, you know, if, if I take Aimpoint as an example, a key metric for us is how many students have we enrolled in a, in a financial year? So for me, we have a goal. Um, and we're monitoring it through the year to understand if we're under or overachieving. Um, clearly, we overachieve. Uh, um, and then also, what is your unfair advantage that you know the competitors in the market? And there are always competitors, or there will always be competitors that will appear. What is your unfair advantage? So, um, if I take for example again Aimpoint, if I look at my competitors out there, the our unfair advantage is the fact that we're very cost uh, competitive. I think we're the lowest in in our particular field um, by a significant amount. Um, we also have a bit more of a flexible approach um, to how we deal with customers, and, and also our, you know our other thing is that you know we're running very lean, so we don't have big overheads, so we can go for longer, um, you, you know, uh, and and offer a better service because we're a bit more tailored to the individuals. So yeah, so the lean business plan is is um, something I would recommend everybody to to use. So what about, I suppose, in, in your case, it'd be very different to say the, the gold uh, warmed up stubby caller, but uh, product testing, how, how are you, uh, with, with what you do, how do you product test that and, and, and see if it's all going to work? Yeah, so well, yeah, once again, we sort of just fumbled on this, and this is—I mean, this is one of the reasons why I want to have some of these conversations and share this experience with other veterans and the defence community um, for those that are looking to start a business. Is um, you know, when it comes to product testing, it can be quite daunting when you look at it. You're like, well, I need to spend a whole bunch of money to uh, create a, a trial product and then try to get a marketing company to go get some feedback and do, you know, put people in the lab and test kids on, you know, does that cereal taste great and, you know, et cetera. But my experience is it doesn't need to be like that. It, it doesn't need to be expensive. It doesn't need to be complicated. Um, the best thing that I've learned over the years is that just the power of asking people that are SMEs in that field or, potential similar similar people to the customers that you want to chase now bear in mind at this stage you understand what is the product that you want to sort of offer you understand the value you're bringing to them you have a bit of a business plan so you should understand the target audience that you're trying to sell your product to or who will be your customer base so 
the, the thing that we've learned over the years is just the power of the ask. So going to somebody that is an expert in the particular field that you want to, to do and say, hey, can you, do, would you mind testing a product for me? Would you mind me asking you a couple of questions? And you'd be surprised at how, how much people are willing to help you. I, I'd almost say 90 to 99% of people will be willing and, and chuffed that you've asked for their advice um, and they'll donate it for free. It's, it's surprising. Like as an example for me, for Aimpoint, as we were going through and creating our product and we were starting to develop what, what our courses would look like and so forth, is um, I asked the guy um, who was an executive director of, of, um, uh, of TAFE SA. He was um, now a CEO of another um, uh, larger training organization. You know, in theory, he's a competitor to us. Well respected guy in the field knows a lot of detail um, around the vet sector and and so forth. And I asked if he wouldn't mind just looking over some of the stuff that we're doing um, before I submit it to 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 Asqua. And he gave me that time and continues to give me that time um, uh, free of charge. Um, and I think the reason is because he felt quite chuffed that somebody thinks of him in esteem to ask for support. So. You know, it's similar with um, customers, potential customer bases, and I don't, I can't think of a time where we haven't asked somebody that's a veteran or someone um, to offer up their support um, to review a product uh, for free um, for us. And, and, and at, you know, in those early startups, it's really hard. It, you know, cash flow is an, is an issue. In some cases, you don't have the cash flow, so you're working off, you know, the smell of an oily rag and um, it's really important that you try to get that down to nothing. So, so the power of the ask. The second thing is you don't need to go create a exact uh, replica of the product that you're trying to, to develop. In some cases, you know, doing up some graphics of what it's going to look like and the key features and stuff like that is is just enough um, to cover off. Um, so yeah. So, but but really. It is important to do a product testing because out of that process, you'll create new, you'll refine your product to be delivered in a better way that you hadn't have thought of when you were doing some of the value proposition and, and so forth. So to give you an example of that, when we were doing product testing of our training proposal, one of the themes that kept coming up from veterans as we were doing it was um, that they don't like online learning. They don't like face-to-face classrooms they would they're looking for products that can be delivered in a way in which they're used to when they're in service so you know when you're in defense everything's like explain demonstrate practice it you know i I remember you know um words like um like this do that in everything and and that's the way you train and so the we took that feedback on board and said, okay, all right, well, we can modify a training program to be maybe done on the job in, in an office or, you know, in a workshop or et cetera, and the trainer can explain how to do a, do a task. He can demonstrate it, he or she can demonstrate it, um, and then the, the student can, can go away and do it, so practice um, so we then took that feedback to change the model that we were doing. And, and it, to be honest, it's been very well received by people um, through that phase. So I guess that highlights the importance of product testing before you go and spend big money, you know, on the next stages. So, okay, we, we've done our testing. We're, we're feeling fairly confident at this, at this point in time. Um, and, and I guess now we've got to sort of go and pitch our proposal uh, and and so I suppose how do you how do you do that? Because I, I guess this can be a bit of a scary step too when you're gonna kind of go out into more of the general public or you've got to go to to banks and and financiers and investors. So what what do we do here? Yeah, look, um, you know, you've now developed a product, you you are ready to move to the next stage and whether it's pitching it to um, a government body to accredit you, whether it's pitching it to to customers or so forth. Um, the, the next stage, as you just said, is is really that pitch, and and that pitch is about getting key bits of information across, selling the story of going back to the start, why your product um, 
you know, is of benefit to them, um, what pain relievers you're solving, what gain creators you're providing them, um, what is the solution, what is the problem you are trying to provide a solution for. So um, now nobody gets it right the first time. We, we've spent a number of years and if you look at my first sort of pitches that I used to give um, to what I do now, it, they're chalk and cheese, they're nothing alike, yet my mindset hasn't changed. I'm still delivering the same information in my mindset to people. It's just we've learned as we've gone through. So it's something that does take a while. You, you Very rarely will you get it done right on the first one. And, and if you are someone that gets it right on the first one, come talk to me because I'd like to hire you. <laughs> but, but nobody nobody gets their first pitch right. And sometimes it's worth noting that as well. When you do start pitching, maybe you don't want to go for your goal platic client you maybe you want to go for some some smaller companies or some smaller customers um to maybe start testing before you build your way up to it um or maybe test with some some people or some customers that you know are are, are just going to be a success um for you um because you've already built trust and so forth with them and and test it out with them but encourage feedback around that pitch so that you can use that for others um but really, when it comes down to a pitch, you know, there's a couple of things that we've learned as we've gone through. And as I said at the start, very different to how we started from at the start. You know, you need to keep it short. You need to keep it sharp and to the point. People can only take in so much information. And um, if you're trying to get across every feature of your product and, you know, all the benefits that you need that your product brings to the table, you're going to lose the people. They'll only take certain bits of information. So you need to you need to really remove any unnecessary distractions from your pitch. If you're using a slide pack, you need to really understand how to deliver a, a presentation. And one of the things I found was it's very different to how you deliver a presentation um, in in defence because in defence you're trying to get across a whole bunch of information. In a pitch, it's a little bit different. You've got to you got to scale right back. You can have a thousand slides, but only small bits of information on each slide. Otherwise, the person that you're trying to sell uh, your, your proposal to just won't absorb it. And now I, I always recommend people at this stage as well to go onto YouTube, as I said before, and, you know, when developing a PowerPoint now, and there's a good one that I've used, which is um, a guy called David Phillips on YouTube. He's got a... Um, He's got a uh, a video up there called "How to Avoid Death by PowerPoint," so I would recommend that to anyone looking to do it. It's a fantastic uh, video, and it shows you uh, some of the traps that we all get ourselves into. So I, I've taken on board those concepts now, um, and I flow them back into my own presentation. And as you know, Matthew, we we gave a presentation to a large um, a large national company the other week, and um, to their board and instantaneously they they were sold on the products. I mean, we got feedback after that. Literally, that was it. They The presentation we put across to them, they were instantly sold So on it. So um, so I highly recommend people look at that. Um, I would always as well start with what is the problem you're trying to solve for the customer. So I used to sometimes do it a little bit backwards. I would start with, hey, look, I've got this fantastic training product and you know here's all the features of the product um so i'm selling the product to the person without telling them i'm sorting the problem that they've got so it's a bit backwards so you always need to start with a problem so if i take for example the training product that we've got i would say there's you know five and a half sorry and and i'm pitching to a company right now i would say something like there's five and a half thousand to six thousand transitioning defense members every year um uh Finding meaningful employment is one of the critical elements of transitioning, a successful transition from from a company perspective. Um, you're looking for, you know, project managers and they're really hard to get. Adding to that, getting security cleared project managers working in defence is next to impossible. Um, getting someone out of that list as well that has experience in defence on the platforms you want them to work on is is even as hard. So I've now said what the problems are. Then I would move to my solution, which is, you know, this is the solution that we have to your problems. So the people are sitting there going, yeah, we've got those problems. Oh, they've got a solution to those problems for me. I'll take that solution. 
So, yeah, so the next bit is really understanding, you know, putting forward your solution to them, as I just said, um, and, and plugging that problem that you've now created for them, be that it was already there. Um, and then finally, you ask. There's no point in doing any of that unless you're willing to ask for something at the end. So, you know, what is it that you want from them? In my case, it's like we want you to provide us six students to be on our course and it's going to cost this much over this much time. Um, so you always got to finish with what your ask is. Otherwise, you know, you leave them with, yes, there's a problem. Yes, you have a solution. But you walk away from the room and people forget about it because there's no ask at the end of the day. So you always need to finish on, and this is what I'd like you to do. It doesn't always have to be they need to buy a product. It could be that they're not the right, they're not the right fit. But the ask at the end could then quickly be, well, can you refer me to someone who might want to to use this service that has that problem? Um, so there's always going to be that ask, um, you know. And if you're not asking, then you're never going to get anything. It's, it's that old sort of analogy. Um, yeah, and and look, I I think um, the other thing I would do is you know test and adjust that all the time. So. Um, uh, as an example, as we've gone through and some of the presentation now is getting to a really refined stage, we delivered one to a company the other day and one of the, one of the HR uh, team in the room said, ah, oh, I understand what you're doing now. You know, really there are three ways in which we could employ people straight out of university or straight from a TAFE um, and they come in as a, as a trainee or a graduate um, the other one is we can employ them because they've got experience already as a project manager or et cetera, um, you know, in a similar role somewhere and we, we bring them in and you're really opening up a third pathway for us to be able to find candidates, which is taking veterans and putting them into employment and we provide a traineeship model. Um, and so I thought that analogy was fantastic and I now use that in every discussion that I have and it's hitting home every single time. So testing and adjusting every time, you know, um, is critically important. And then finally uh, on how to pitch, I I would um, also look up another YouTube video, which I found quite useful as well, which is a guy called David Beckett um, on YouTube. He has a a video on there called look up um, how, sorry, uh, how to give uh, a perfect pitch. Now, there's probably lots of others that you can watch on there as well. I'm just giving a reference and I would recommend people look at a whole heap of them because sometimes if you can learn from others, you don't need to go make those mistakes. You know, I would argue if you can watch maybe a hundred different versions of how to deliver a pitch to to a company, you probably aren't going to make the same mistakes um, as, as you go through, you're going to learn from those, those people. So yeah, a bit long-winded, but <laughs> hopefully that answered that. I mean, I guess too that there would be even for yourself, um, and you sort of have touched on this—the sort of trial and error of pitching in a way where it's good to sort of start small and and perhaps start with people that you know or uh, businesses that you feel are more of a shoe in than the bigger fish, so to speak. Um, do, do you find that like if you're not a great public speaker, for example, or you're someone who uh, you know, has a great idea, but you're not the you're not the best voice at it. Do you, would you encourage then getting other people to help you and stuff? Or did you find any times at the start where you sort of, uh, without the knowledge you've got now, obviously, that you sort of it was very trial and error. Yeah, look, I I just don't think when you ca- especially when I came out of the service, it wasn't a natural thing to try and pitch for somebody. Um, to give me some money to go and do something. Mm. It just wasn't a natural um, thing and therefore I felt very uncomfortable doing it. Um, so I think it's something that you just have to do through trial and error. I mean, doing it with friends and family, that certainly get you get used to it, but there's nothing like being in front of a potential customer and giving that pitch to them. So uh, repetition is always the key. You just need to think it's always... Um, crawl, walk, run. You know, you're not going to be sprinting in your very first one. And if you are, like I said, come and speak to me. I'm sure there's lots of companies that would love to. Um, there are lots of people that are great at communicating and, and, and I'm not saying this is everybody coming out is the same. But for me, um, I wasn't great at it. Um, I was very sort of, um, you know, I was very 
worried about trying to do that ask to ask for money to do stuff I was very much unsure of myself uh, in terms of that commercial uh, uh, respect from from except from people and it takes a number it does take a little bit of time to get used to doing that I think to combat that maybe you know one of the things that could could be done is you know reach out to other veteran businesses even even if you're not going to pitch to them per se i mean i know i would be happy if someone listening to this rings me up and say hey i have an idea but i want to practice my pitch i would be more than willing to give up my time and i would say that there's probably numbers of other veterans out there that run businesses and so forth that might be able to provide that experience to you so um i think lean on lean on the community there is nothing better though than than pitching to other other business owners or you know other companies in the commercial sense as opposed to friends and family trialing with friends and family is great but you need to work your way up so um but i think the power of that ask is always is always great ask ask someone to help you out and if you can't email us contact us and i'll either do it or i'll find someone that can help help you out as well you did just touch on uh, asking for money, and so I guess that leads to my next question. Okay, we've, we're starting to pitch this thing out to people, but uh, finance is going to be key in a lot of a lot of this for everyone. Uh, so, what about uh, the proposal for finance? How how do we go about that? Yeah, look, it's um, there's no easy way around this, but one of the things that I have learnt is that it, you know people have these grand ideas that you know, yep, I'll go onto the stock exchange and get money or I'll get a uh, equity firm to back me or, you know, so forth or get the bank to back me in, in, in my idea. Um, the thing that I've learned over, over my time is that nobody is going to do that until you have put in some effort as well. They want to see that you've got skin in the game through either your own equity or you've got to do what's called bootstrapping, which is um, you know, putting in your own your own hours and doing a lot of you know burning the midnight oil. In our case, as an example, um, we leased out of our own funds um, a, a small hot desk at a co working facility at, at like an incubator, and I'd work at nights and weekends outside while I'm trying to work somewhere else full-time so I gave up a lot of my weekends I gave up nights I gave up a lot of my family time um, to start writing the policies and procedures and so forth you know we didn't have the money um, to go buy some experts in to come do it for us or go buy policies and procedures from elsewhere we had to do it ourselves and so therefore you know I had to bootstrap I'd do a lot of that in my own hours to do that um, but then once you've got some of that skin in the game um, and you're starting to get some wins on the board, you know, you can use things like, um, uh, um, you know, equity financing or debt financing. So equity being, you know, like I just said there, you, you know, bootstrapping really, self-funding it yourself. So, you know, you can fund the business yourself and get going. And the good thing with that is you get a lot of freedom in it. You don't have anyone else interfering. And in some cases, they look, at the moment you start getting money from other people, they want to start seeing a return for that money. So it does put you under a lot of pressure. You know, there's obviously family and friends. There's, you know, me personally, I think that's a horrible way of, you know, financing a business. Um, you know, there's private investors that you can find, venture capitalists, um, you know, stock market if you, if you, if you really think you're up for that. Um, you know, there is government grants and then crowdfunding as well. I would say... Um, you know, for any of those things, um, there's places that you can go to and a lot of local councils like we did um, or a lot of state governments um, have organisations that can help you sort through those finance bits, working out what is the best the best finance options for you. Um, so in our case, we, uh, we were working with a place called Stretton Centre in Northern Adelaide um, and that had, it was sort of a mixture between federal, state and um, local government funding um, with a business support team there that sort of helped us. So we could go talk to them and say, we're looking to finance the business. What are our options? And they they have a whole wealth of experience that they can bring in. In my case, they also linked us up with an organisation called Business SA. Um, and they, as part of a membership with Business SA, they would provide you access to um, a chartered accountant who 
who could walk through all of those options in much more detail. Of course, there's also things like business loans and um, loans from uh, you know venture capitalists or any crowdfunding and so forth. But I think the you know the key thing is if you come back right back to the start, you really need to get to a point where you've invested into the business with your own time or something. Otherwise, no one's going to do it for you. So there's no hard, there's no easy way around it unless you've got an absolutely amazingly cracker idea that is just really and you're a really great pitch and salesperson um you're going to have to put some hard hard yards in and that's that's sort of the hard truth uh, for that yeah i would imagine i mean it, it is there's a lot there that you actually listed um and i would imagine too that some of it does depend on the product you're actually trying to make uh, i can imagine something like crowdfunding was something that was completely off your table you weren't even considering that uh, like you sort of said with the the friends and family you 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 you're thinking of other avenues of how to finance what you're trying to achieve um so once i suppose you feel that the, the finance is there and and your company's really up and running at this point um and and let's say you're getting a bit of a customer base that they're, they're starting to see some growth and some potential how do we just basically keep sure making sure we manage that and, and keep everything then you know keep the ship sailing so to speak yeah look it's um you know some i think once you get to that point and you're starting to get people um you know managing managing that growth so having some clear targets for what you're looking for um some key metrics and then monitoring that um i think the biggest challenge i've actually found is um as we're growing and we're growing naturally and slowly um bringing in people and then that that brings a whole different range of challenges in terms of you know you have to not only manage the work that you're doing but you also have to then help develop somebody else into that but you know and it would be a rare occasion that you actually in a startup have all the money to be able to buy the really expert person you need to sort of also acknowledge that you're going to be developing a team as you go through so um yeah, so I think you just have to be flexible in your approach and we're probably at that stage at the moment where we're now starting to grow. I think we've grown this year out to about seven people. Um, we have uh, just moved to a new office. Um, so we're starting to get some of those those growth things that you need to have. We have weekly um, engagements where we look at our, our metrics and we're you know chasing down targets. We have you know finance systems in place now. Um so, yeah, I think it's very much that crawl, walk, run sort of stage. But, you know, the, once again, as I said before, you can always ask for help. There's there's lots of people out there to help you. I mean, in my case, if I take us, for example, we can reach out to Business SA. We can reach out to um, we can reach out to the Stretton Centre, which is, an, you know, that, that incubator that we're part of. Um, we can reach out to other networks, other businesses that we that we've aligned ourselves with, um, to ask for support and help and advice and so forth. And as you as you go through, um, also another valuable resource is an accountant. You know, as you're going through this, you're going to establish um, a relationship with an accountant um, to manage you know, your your your, um, your annual tax and stuff like that. But they're actually, it's more than just submitting your tax. You can actually ring them up and ask questions about things like payroll and super and um, give you some other business growth ideas and, and so forth. So, um, you know, I think forming those relationships and sometimes all that doesn't have to be, uh, you know, you know, being charged for everything you do. Sometimes you can ring your accountant and just ask the question and they're not going to send you an invoice. Um, so... Yeah, I think getting into those networks, um, being flexible, um, and then being a little bit resilient, uh, a, a little bit laid back on yourself as well, not giving yourself such a hard time for not having exactly the correct answer every time because you're growing as the business is growing um, as well. So, uh, but lean on networks where you can. I guess really you you have sort of touched on this, but uh, what sort of future plans and goals for your RTO do you have, and and how do you sort of see it evolving over the next coming years? Yeah, look, we we have some pretty grand plans for for Aimpoint. I mean, we have not um, uh, w- we haven't bolted out of the gate. We're we're very much trying to take our time to slowly grow organically. 
Um, I mean, we've grown to 200 students this year, um, which is significant. Um, you know, we've grown staff and so forth. And where we'd like to get to is we want to be the RTO of choice in the defence community. So we want to be at a stage where people, when you think training, whether you're a veteran leaving or whether you're a large defence program trying to build training for uniformed people or for operators, maintainers and so forth, you think, oh, we'll talk to Aimpoint to help us develop that. So we want to get to a point where we're at that. Um, so we're trying to set ourselves up with a framework that we can we can pick up the, you know these different sort of core pillars of the business. Um, we're also trying to offer services um, that aren't just about you know bringing money in. It's about actually offering something to the people that we're working with to um, to help them get where they they need to go. So we're not just about making a quick buck. We're about trying to offer a value to people and we're trying to be part of the community, not just not just the business. And so what I mean by that is, you know, in some cases we're offering services to people that we're not receiving money for. So, you know, like sometimes I, I talk with people and we go, oh, I'm happy to have a look at your CV or I'm happy to help discuss some job interview pathways or or make some connections to people. It doesn't always have to be around um, selling a product. You know, on the flip side to that, you know, building that trust and that building, et cetera, in the community um, will help us reach that end goal that I'm trying to get to, which is be that, you know, training provider of choice in the community. Um, so yeah, so I guess we're trying to we're trying to offer a service to the community that is more than just necessary a product that we're delivering right here. We're trying to embed ourselves in with everything, and then hopefully, um, you know, certainly in the next twelve months, I see ourselves as as being starting to become a household name in in the defence community, be that industry, be that defence itself, or be that veterans. Um, to at least come have a chat with us when they're talking training and we and know that we're going to truthfully give them, you know, whether we can help them or not or point them in the right direction of someone that can and that might even be a competitor of ours. It doesn't bother me. I just want to be the people that they come to first for help. Well, that uh, sounds like we've covered quite a lot here. Um, I Last time I asked you about your favourite holiday destination in Australia, I'm not going to do that this time. I am going to ask you, however, though, is there an entrepreneur that personally has inspired you that you've read his books or listened to, I guess, just seen him online or uh, podcasts or whatever that really could be as big as uh, Steve Jobs, I guess, uh, but or a, a small and unknown, I guess, too. Is there an entrepreneur that's actually inspired you along this journey? Yeah, look, I think if we go back to uh, some yeah, so most definitely, if we go back to what I've sort of been harping on as we go through this this podcast is around networks. Mm-hmm. Certainly for me, and I won't name the person, but so for me, I've built around me a bit of a network of different people with different backgrounds and experiences, and and I call them throughout the week for different things. Sometimes it's nothing more than just to shoot the breeze. Sometimes it's looking for some advice on you know some problems I'm I'm facing, but they're a trusted group of friends and. Inside that group, I actually have a have a friend who who um, actually managed to build a large clothing manufacturer in in um, overseas and sold that and moved to Australia and he's been quite successful in everything you know he's done and you know by all by all rights he doesn't need to work anymore um, but he does more for the enjoyment of engaging with people and he's still quite young and so um, luckily. He, I came across him a number of years ago and we've become quite good friends and um, and he shares a lot of uh, experiences with me. I get to test a lot of things with him, but certainly for me, um, I think he is the the um, example of where I'm trying to lead my business to. So, you know, things like bootstrapping, you know, when I have a chat to him, you know, he's, he's couch surfing from people's uh, you know, from one house to another to, to try and keep the finances going on the business to pay staff and so forth. So, you know, he's investing heavily into the business personally. Um, you know, he's realising when to, you know, 
pullback that is driving people too too hard as the business is growing, and you know, and then he's sharing those experiences with me when I'm starting to do it, and he'll pull me up on things like that. So, so for me, it's not like a big, you know, Tony Robbins or you know, Steve Jobs or whatever. And by all means, like they they are fantastic, you know, they're amazing entrepreneurs to grow grow businesses. But for me, it's it's someone more closer closer to me and. You know, if I was to recommend anyone looking for someone like that, you know, going to networking events at things like Business SA, and I know mm-hmm. I know that's South Australia, but there's similar networking events around the country. Certainly, they're veteran business networking events, um, and finding someone like that that you can connect in with is, you know, I think is is amazing to to help people go through this process. And if anyone struggles and can't find somebody. Once again, reach out to me. I'm more than happy to either offer my service or or find someone that could more align to what what they're looking for. Yeah, I think I think that's actually a really humbling response too. That uh, just the, the people close by to us uh, being the most inspiring. I think I think that's actually really lovely to hear. So I, I think I think really the 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 core of that is yeah, and you hear it everywhere. You really become the people that you hang around. So you, you become the person much like the people that you're hanging around. So, you know, the old analogy, if you hang around with, you know, deadbeats, you're going to become a deadbeat. If you hang around with millionaires, you're going to become a millionaire. So I think it's very important to find different cliques of groups for different things. You can have your you can have your mates that you want to have a beer with on a weekend, you know, that you just muck around and, you know, you know chat, chat with about different topics, cars or whatever. But you can have your friends as well that are, you know, you know, business and you just chat business with those people. So... Um, I think it's very important to find those. Yeah, that's great. Well, now that I've been hanging around you with your um, gold-plated uh, stubby core that's <laughs> going to warm up, I imagine my million dollars is in the mail. <laughs> so, Mark, I think this has been a really educational um, episode. And, uh, yeah, if, if there's any closing statements, I want to thank you very much for uh, giving us your time. No worries. Thank you, Matthew, and thanks, everybody. Um, hopefully these are enjoyable. Please, um reach out to us if you have any questions, if you would like to give us any feedback, positive or negative, um, we're more than happy to receive it. But, yeah, reach out to us, make contact with us, and we look forward to hearing from you.